Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Drop Step Podcast. This is officially the last episode that's going to be recorded before Christmas Day. So hopefully it's going to come to you at the same time that your Christmas presents are going to be unwrapped as well. I have got a present of an episode for you because I've got Trayvon Heath, Mr. Pull-Up Trey himself of Raptors Republic, joining us. I'm really excited for it because I think we've got a really exciting topic today. Trey, we're talking Scotty Barnes. We're talking about how you build around him. It's been a, I, I want to say a so-so season. Last time I spoke to Lewis, it was like, a, ah, we're up and we're down. It's been more down than it's been up recently. <laughs> but uh, I think Lewis wrote something today about, would you take this terrible season for Scotty's development? Yeah. I think that's a good way to start off. Yeah. First off, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Yes. I don't think I can fill Lewis's shoes, but I'm going to try my best. Um. Oh, we'll see, man. I'm sure you'll. I'm sure you'll do great. But yeah, Scotty, let's let's yeah. go. Let's get into it. Um, hundred percent. He's Scotty has shown that he's worth building around, and now it's quite clear that there's all NBA upside. There probably yeah. was a bit of concern heading from last year because the the shooting hadn't progressed. He struggled in the half court, and there's obviously still roster um, constraints. The roster constraints are still there. You see that with the Raptors record. But overall, yeah. he is succeeding in spite of the roster construction. So we aren't even seeing what he can do at his full potential. And he's already performing at an all-star level. So the season is success regardless of the, the record. Yeah, absolutely. I think that your end goal for a franchise is can we put another banner up in the rafters? And if it was choosing between sort of playoff mediocrity and a first round exit or actually having a guy that could be I don't know if it's Scott, if Scotty is a number one option on a team in terms of scoring but I think what me and Lewis said last time was I think he might be able to be your best player uh, if he sort of hits that ceiling so it's going to be really exciting what we do today today we are putting on our GM hats. Trey's already got his. If I post any clips, you're going to see that. I'm sure it says GM on the back. Uh, but we're, we're stepping into Masai Ujiri's shoes today. And we're building around Scotty Barnes. What we're going to do is we're going to build a, a roster. I, I don't know if we're even calling this a roster. I'm going to give you two role players that I think would fit around Scotty. Two sub all-stars that I think round, uh, would fit around Scotty. And two all-stars that I'd like to see play next to Barnes. And Trey is going to do the same. And by the end of the podcast, you're going to have a really good idea of what an idealized Raptors roster will look like in the next few years. If we've got it right, that is, you know, maybe they follow our plan. It goes horribly. And then you can blame us. You can come back to this podcast. But I hope not. So six players you're going to hear about. But Trey, what I, what I want to start with is this Raptors roster. Yes. How many players are there on it at the moment that you think in a vacuum you'd say, yes, this guy fits really well next to Scotty Barnes? Very few. I, I think the yeah. only surefire bet is OG Adenobi. Um Scotty excels with other athletes who do well in transition. OG can space the floor for him as well. And mm -hmm. he's a, a great cutter and he finishes everything at, at the lane. I would say the only other would be a question would be a guy like Pascal. I do think they can succeed together, but you would need a floor spacing big. How many of the how many bigs in the NBA can space the floor? Very few. But yep. you in in recent they've started to play together fairly well and 
the amount of mismatches that they create just by the sheer size they have on the wing is is a very tough matchup for teams. So I would say those two are the only surefire bets. Like obviously a guy like Gary, he his shooting gets back to form. He he fits with Scotty as well. But um, I would say two, one surefire and, and one maybe. Yeah, and I I probably want to add Grady into that list yeah. at oh, least oh, conceptually. Oh, yeah. Yes. as you know a guy that can space the floor and as a guy that interprets space really nicely and sort of knows when to cut how to move about the court he's not quite the athlete that you might be looking for next to scotty but if the shot ever starts falling if he comes back up from the g league and we see some real progression then i think that grady can be a guy that you add to that list but <sighs> players like Jakob Pertl, players like dennis schroeder um, I, I know that uh, I think Lewis said that he liked Chris Boucher's fit next to Scotty just because he yeah, gets great. out in transition as well. But I think it's it's Jakob, it's Dennis, and to an extent it's Pascal as well, right? That might yeah. be the slight blockers at the moment. Hundred percent. But they they really struggle with their their spacing currently. Um, Darko implemented more freestyle offense, a lot more motion sets, and the first clear thing you saw in the first five games was that the defense wasn't moving because irregardless of um, the design of your sets, you need to have the requisite shooting and like shooting reputation in order to create gravity and create additional space. Although Scotty is shooting fairly well, he's not creating gravity for the players around him because teams are still willing to allow him to shoot because he's very dangerous inside. And Pascal has had one of his his worst shooting as, as a pro, which has made things significantly tough. So you pair that with Dennis Schroeder, who's a, a cl- close to a non-shooter, and Jacoperto, who has no range outside of the maybe the free throw line extended. That might even be a bit far. It's created a, a really tough situation. Yeah, absolutely. I think the worst example I've seen of that this season and the most clear-cut example, I was watching Ja Morant's return game to the league the other day, the Grizzlies-Pelicans game. And when Ja sat, it was legitimately painful to watch. You have Bismack Biombo running like handoff plays and just no one even following around the screens that he was setting, basically. It was awful to watch. And then you get a guy like Ja come back on the court and suddenly the uh, the defense is being far more reactive. It's showing help. And it just means that it's almost like if the first cog in the chain wasn't yeah. whirring. That's that's what it feels like watching the Raptors at some points this year. But just for a brief sort of top line overview on what Scotty is bringing to the table so far this season, uh, 27 games played, 20.6 points per game, 9.2 rebounds, 5.7 assists, and sort of all importantly, shooting at 38% from three on five attempts per game. This sort of shooting rise has been pretty meteoric. And the only comparison I've seen around media so far has been Kawhi. Uh, I I know that we maybe want to get away from the Kawhi comparisons for Scotty, but it's crazy. Like uh, he's the first guy that I've watched in Rico Hines runs, knock down shots and it's actually translated to the league. (laughs) Yeah. Like this season was a make or break year for him. I, I would say at least in terms of like what the Raptors were, were going to do. Um, being that his shot has gotten to like an unprecedented level of development, bodes so well for his game. I'm really interested to see like heading into the second half of the year. You've seen teams to a small degree start to settle in and start trying to defend him out from the perimeter. So if he's going to be able to exploit those, create more um, straight line drives, is that going to lead to his assist numbers going up? Because he's actually now creating advantages and rotations. That's going to lead to guys like Boucher, Jakob, um, Precious getting more looks and and allowing the offense to have a bit more synergy. But overall, I would say he's far succeeded my expectations. The shooting has got to a place where I didn't think it ever was going to get to. So super happy. And I think the Raptors, if they didn't, don't didn't know what direction to go into the clear thing now would be it's scotty scotty is the franchise he's the person that you should build around and every decision should be based around his success which is exactly why we're doing this format of episode today so trey i don't know if you want me to get us kicked off i think we said before we started recording we're going to start with our role players that we're going to suggest and we're going to work all the way up to the big stars that are going to turn this team from uh 10 and 15 
to championship contender around Scotty watching some beautiful yeah. hoops. Do you want me to get kicked off, man, or do you want to share your first role player that you've got for us? Go, go for it. Okay. The first role player I would say would be Emmanuel quickly. Um, to lay right. out nice. to lay out Scotty's game. Um, he works very well in transition. He operates as the point guard in transition. So what I would want around him is guys that um can can shoot from the wing who can create create their own shot off of secondary stuff that he's providing as sort of like mm-hmm. a post hub DOA DHO type type guy. And then also who are good enough in the point of attack that allow him to be free as a roamer and be the defensive playmaker that he actually is. I think last year, a big mistake that um, the previous staff made was allowing him to defend guards 90, 94 feet. And although he has like the, maybe the tenacity to do so, he's a big, long guy. And some of these quicker guards gave him a lot of trouble. Now he's lower in the defense. He's using his length. Um, that's blowing up plays and creating steals and creating blocks and like actually creating legit deterrence for, for the opposition. So I think a guy like quickly would make him a bit more dangerous and a DHO with both of them together would put a lot of pressure on the defense. I like that. So I actually had Emmanuel quickly was my last cut for sub all stars. Uh, I wanted to pair a guard. So I'm glad we've, uh, we've got the same ideas going, but when I watch quickly, he plays so much with that Knicks second unit where there's not actually that much interaction with Mitchell Robinson. He is uh, he's working out of handoff situations with Isaiah Hartenstein. And um, I, I just think that that DHO synergy, whether it be with Jakob or whether it be with Scotty, which is sort of our end goal, would work really yeah. nicely. He's a he's a lights out shooter. He's really good. The numbers don't necessarily reflect it, but from the free throw line, he's nearly hit 90% in most of his seasons. And like you said, he's a really sort of stout point of attack defender with a nice shifty handle. Yeah. And um, he can shoot from all spaces on the court. That's the other thing that jumped out to me. When I watch back, I watch back highlights on the high low. I don't have synergy access, you know, maybe one day. <laughs> but I notice, you know, he's popping up from the corners. He's shooting above the break. Uh, he's yeah. got that range from floater as well. The one thing that potentially deterred me from picking Emmanuel over the guard that I went for in my sub all-star section was I might want a little bit more of a lights out playmaker next to Scotty Barnes. And really I just think I watch, I watch quickly and I think, Maybe it's the Knicks system, but he looks a little bit more primary, uh, more like a bucket getter than than a guy that sets the table to me. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think one thing that with the Raptors, like roster construction and also that they have the worst guard rotation in basketball. Um, <laughs> it's rough. Um, is that they haven't activated Scotty enough as a screener. When he, If he's able to screen create two-on-ones in a, in a short roll situation. He's one of the best passing bigs in the NBA. It, it creates so much pressure on the defense and allows um, so many other things to open up. Is If you have a guy that can set the table and has the requisite um, scoring ability also to, to force teams to go over, it's going to open up so much more for Scotty's game. And that's probably like the most exciting thing I, I would want to see like with an actual – Real NBA guard with him. Ah, oh, real NBA guard. I'm clipping that. That's rough. That's rough. Um, yeah, and the other thing as well, like Scotty, if the shooting holds up, is going to be not able to like not just able to play make on the short roll, but he's also going to be able to pop all the way out from behind the yeah. line. So it's going to be a really diverse play where you just think this could roll into so many different little actions. I I really like that. I think that's a good idea, and I actually think that there's some potential that he ends up on the Raptors in the next, maybe at the trade deadline, let's see if the Knicks have any interest in OG Ananobi. Let's see if the Raptors, you know, maybe they clear cap space and he could be a guard that they target in a 2024 free agency. This is actually a realistic one. I, I messaged you before the pod and I said, I, I knew that you wouldn't do this, but there are some people that you'd invite onto this and they'd go, I'd like to see Scotty next to Nikola Jokic and Steph Curry. Like, yeah, we all would at the end of the day. Yeah. But I... I think that quickly could be a guy. My my first role player, I've got Josh Green as a potential option next to IQ. So he's 23 years old. Uh, he's signed to a contract through 26-27, three years, $41 million. I'm going to give you the pitch because he's had a down year this year. So I'm going to try and sell you on the positives. And uh, then you can tell me why he'd like to be the ninth man in the Raptors rotation. So 
He's 37% from three for his career, uh, 2.4 assists per game this year on 11% usage, six foot five, six foot 10 uh, wingspan. Uh, I think that he could do a reasonable job at the point of attack for the Raptors. And with his length and his foot speed, I kind of trust him as a guy that can potentially defend ones and twos. I like that versatility because at the moment, I think you've probably got OG who you can kind of stick on anyone and in theory, Dennis, but I think he's slacked off a little bit in the last few weeks. Uh, so I think he could potentially be a useful guy on the defensive side of the ball. And then he's a transition player at heart. This is the thing that I really like about Josh Green. Uh, watching the tape, the passing highlights really come out when he's in transition or like when he's attacking a closeout, for example. He's more than capable of if a uh, like advantage is being created for him, he can puncture the paint paint he can kick out basically so he's um might not be an advantage creator but he's an advantage extender and you know, the way that he plays up tempo he's not been very good in minutes with luca this year i know i've looked it up before they were 11th in pace this year which is a massive upturn from what they usually are with luca he's like your um I almost picture him like a, a hero at the end of a western where he just goes out and it's just a shootout with him right when he's played uh, minutes with Kyrie Irving this year, they've been plus 6.7 in net rating, despite like worse than average shooting luck. So I think there's a suggestion that if you get Josh Green next to a guy that thrives in transition, like a Scotty, I think that they could just have a nice relationship in terms of they'd both be quite versatile players. And uh, yeah, he's just a nice partner that I can see getting out on the break with Barnes. Yeah, I like this one, actually. Um He's a very athletic finisher. He's smart cutter as well, which pairs really well with Scotty. The only question I I, I know the shooting kind of comes and goes with with Josh Green, which would be the the difficult part. But like if his shooting were is consistent, and uh, he offers the same help, because well, although like the Raptors have defensive talent, they really struggle at the point of attack. Someone like him that could help OG also in that front would be. Would be very useful. The only concern I would have, um, you, you you probably have another guy that, although he can extend off of a closeout, the Raptors aren't creating many actual closeouts. Yeah. So you yeah, need yeah, him yeah. to do something with the ball. That would be the only thing. But I like it, though. So this this is the first stage in my master plan. It's like we've gone back to front. Josh Green is a nice compliment to the guys that we'll get yep. to later on. Uh, Trey, who have you got as your second role player? Uh, my second is Colin Sexton. Uh, oh, okay. I think it's a really good um, buy low opportunity. Utah is rebuilding. They have lots of interesting guards. They, they've given Keontae George tons of usage early on. So he's probably someone that you can acquire. Um, one thing that I I noticed with Sky that he struggles with in the half court is, is actually applying rim pressure when the defense is completely flat. He can do it with his back right, turned okay. to the basket, create space that way. But those drive and kick opportunities, um, I'm unsure if he has the foot speed or the handle currently to do so. Colin Sexton has no issues doing that. He's, he's super yes. quick. He's very athletic. He gets two feet in the paint consistently. Inconsistent shot, but historically has been a good shooter. So I think pairing him and and Scotty together, allowing him to, allowing them to do a lot of DHO stuff, would would be um, very would be a very hard challenge for defenses. And also, I'm I'm higher on Colin Sexton improving over time because he's he creates very easy shots. If some of that three point shooting like returns back to form and he's able to add more of a two step pull up, also, I think he has the potential to maybe sneak into an all-star game one day nice nice i like that it is a real buy low opportunity i think that utah plays much better when he's on the court i remember seeing yep. some on off numbers from you know maybe a couple of weeks back like he should be playing more but maybe he's not part of their long-term plans i can definitely see the synergy here and i think it kind of speaks to like a wider point of philosophy this this raptors roster at the moment the the way it's constructed I don't think you necessarily have a lot of guys around Scotty that can create their own shot or can generate an advantage. And I think the thing that we're probably going to end up getting at during this podcast is Scotty would probably be at his best next to a bunch of advantage creators yep. where he can do that himself, right? So this is a really nice step in the in that direction. 
I'm going to keep us in Utah, um, and I'm I'm going to actually send us north of the border. Border. I like the idea of Kelly Olynyk coming oh. and playing some backup five, and you know maybe some four minutes as well. He's in the last year of his contract, twelve point two million. He's a little bit of an older head, thirty-two years old, but again, much like Josh Green, shot thirty-seven percent from three for his career, forty-two percent this year. He's putting up four point four assists per game, and uh, again, I think. I sort of expected a lot of that to be in handoff situations. A lot of the time he's catching offensive rebounds and he's being patient, he's waiting and he's kicking out to the corners or he's finding cutters. Uh, My case with Kelly is sort of really simple. I think he's an intuitive player. He can shoot from three and he can play the five. Usually that archetype costs a lot of first round picks. I'd love to see Kelly like come back to the North next year play with Scotty is another guy who can play make a guy who could potentially like facilitate Scotty playing in the low post a little bit more. He's decent at facilitating high low actions with Lowry posting up as well. Um, he's just a guy that spots cutters. He cuts well. It'd just be nice to see Scotty next to a guy that makes his life a little bit easier offensively than someone that takes stuff away. And I'd, I'd rather leverage Scotty trying to clean it up on the back end, like defensively, just make his life a little bit easier, especially in these early stages of development. Yeah, I, I agree. This is another fit that's that's perfect. He offers a lot of like what Boucher does, but at a, a higher plane. He he offers a guy that can can run the floor. He he can hit mm-hmm. shots. Um, what Boucher can't do is pass to the level that Kelly does. I think running a bench unit with Kelly Olynyk and allowing Sky to get uh, a lot of pick and roll reps with him actually would be very useful. And it would allow him to, it would allow him to get downhill probably far more than he is currently, mm-hmm. just simply because Kelly Olenek is a shooter that you have to, the defense has to account for. So I like it. I like it a lot, and it and it goes within where you want to see Scotty develop. Like the Raptors, typically in the second quarter, they play, they play Scotty plus four bench players to see if he has the ability to to operate as a point guard and give him those developmental reps, while those yeah. lineups haven't necessarily worked i understand the reasoning by it and getting a player like this would allow it them to win some minutes and then also run with this set experiment so i like it a lot nice nice yeah absolutely i think that while while scotty's handle is still developing you need to try and clear the paint for him as much as you can and that's the opposite of what the raptors have done i'm just glad that he's not playing in detroit i think you know poor Cade cunningham is currently playing in a phone box Scotty doesn't quite have that, but you know, it would just be nice to make his life a little bit easier. Trey, who's your first sub all star for this? So this was the 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 section that I had the most trouble with. I was I debated over and over again, deleted a few times. But the nice. okay. the first guy I'll say is Anthony Simons. Um yep. he helps the Raptors in significant ways just because like he's a mega shooter. Um the obvious concern is is his defense, but I do think with um, the defensive talent that the Raptors have, his offensive ability to operate within the pick and roll, hit shots from various angles, off movement, um, two dribble pull-ups, getting in into the lane as well, opens up Scotty to a significant point. Because when you see with Portland, when he is on, teams have to blitz him. And if you're blitzing him and giving Scotty now um, – Four on three, it, it opens up his game significantly. I, I think you can get Anthony Simon's defense to a, a point where he's not hurting you. And I think he has the chance to to make an all-star team and be an offensive star just because of the the shooting talent that he has. I I couldn't agree more. I, I love Anthony. Uh I wrote about the Portland Trailblazers very uh like a very short section in a Zach Levine piece I did. And I said they they're kind of like the team that you'd assemble on 2k if you were just trying to have the most fun they have the most guys that can hit threes and that can like win the dunk contest potentially yeah. him and shaden uh i think i maybe pitched like you know even jeremy grant can like throw it down and shoot from three as well um i i think that the suggestions that we've made so far and the suggestion that i'm about to make as well speak to how integral it is that og ananobi sticks around in building around scotty yeah because a lot of the picks we're making, it's really easy to facilitate a guy like Anthony Simons, a guy like Emmanuel Quickly, even a Kelly O'Linick playing as your five. Yeah. 
if you have this sort of defensive skeleton key in OG. Trey, how much are you hoping that OG sticks around? And how much would you pay him as well? Would you potentially max him just to make sure he's still here? Um, I'll start the first part. I would say it's super integral for Scotty's future to have um, a guy like OG who can offer a defensive floor, sort of anchor the Raptors defense, yeah. and and hit shots in space for him. It's a player that's significantly hard to to replicate and it allows Scotty to be the roamer and special defensive talent that he is. Um, in terms of if he's willing to stay, I, I would be okay maxing him at, with a short-term deal just because yeah. like the opportunity cost is just significant in trying to replace him and getting value value back for him currently just with his contract expiring he's he's proven in the playoffs that he he can step up and increase his usage at times as well and shut down the team the team's best player so i think he's a player when you see the raptors as a contender that is on this team and is like one of the driving forces that help the raptors like get to like raising that next banner so i would say like in the franchise he's like the second most important player yeah by far i think that he might be the difference between trying to thread the needle and trying to stay fairly competitive with scotty and you know maybe having to tear it down studs take picks for him at the trade deadline and you're sort of consigning yourself to another couple of years of the play-in or or you know maybe a little bit lower so i really hope that og sticks around and if og does stick around a guy that I'd like to pair with him uh, in the backcourt. I don't know if you guys actually have a shooting guard, really. It's listed as Scotty. He's the <laughs> least shooting guard-looking shooting guard I've ever yeah. seen. Um, the guy that I'd like to play point guard next to them is Malik Monk. So I I had I had Malik and I had Emmanuel quickly, and I basically just had pick a Kentucky guard. Trey, I've got I've got a little impromptu quiz for you now because I genuinely think if you pick any Kentucky guard from around the league. Yeah. that isn't sort of on its fringes, they would complement Scotty Barnes really well. How many Kentucky guards can you name? I've got them here. They would all play phenomenally next to Scotty Barnes. Kentucky guards. So there's um, Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, yeah. Tyler yeah. Hero, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, yeah. um, Keldon Johnson. That's uh -huh. five. Who am I missing? I'm missing some. Kentucky, Kentucky. I'm trying to get to at least ten. It has to be like ten. Mm. There are. So I didn't. I didn't count Keldon in this. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You've got nine, and then um, BJ Boston and Ty Ty Washington are on fringes of rosters. So I didn't want to. And Johnny Juzang as well. I didn't want to count those three guys. No okay, offense, them. Hopefully they make it. But okay, uh, I got. So, I got the most notable ones. Yeah, full list. De'Aaron Fox would be a lovely fit. Shea Gilgis Alexander would be a great fit. Tyrese Maxey, Emmanuel Quickly, Kaysom Wallace recently come out of Kentucky. I loved him in the yeah. draft. I love for you. Lovely, like sort of three and D style guard. Looks like he could potentially do a little bit more down the line. Devin Booker, uh, Tyler Hero, Malik Monk, and Jamal Murray as well. Uh, any of those guys you pair with Scotty and it's gonna work, but I'm gonna go for Malik for a number of reasons. So like after a lot of back and forth between him and IQ, Malik is the guy. One, he's hitting free agency next year. So I think there's potential that you could offer him a significant contract and maybe get him to come because he's not earned a, earned a ton of money by NBA standards through his career. Uh, he's just the guy that I look around the league and think maybe he could scale to sort of like a sub all-star level guard. So 15 points per game this year, five assists in 25 minutes per game. He's the cheapest guy around the league that I see that can shoot off the dribble, that can shoot off the catch, that can operate in a pick and roll, that can operate in handoffs and loves to get out in transition. So that is basically my elevator pitch for Malik Monk, because I think if you pair him with Scotty Barnes, then you've got a guy that can actually create his own pull up three. You've got a guy that can facilitate Scotty going ISO or going in the post or leading transition. And you've got a guy that can actually play with a lot of different styles of offensive players. So when him and De'Aaron Fox are on the court at the moment with no Demantis Sabonis, they have a plus 9.77 net rating. When him and Demantis Sabonis are on the court without De'Aaron Fox, they're a plus 5.53. So he can get it done next to an elite guard. He can get it done next to a handoff style center. And I think that Scotty could potentially be a nice in-between for that as well. Malik is my pick. I would love to see him 
get an opportunity. And if you're saying that the Raptors have the worst sort of like guard rotation in the league, why not let him shine, man? Yeah. I What I really like about this pick is that um, Malik already operates within an offense in what the Raptors are trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, a lot of the success that Scotty has, putting us back to the basket, um, creating drop steps, uh, scoring. Thank you. <laughs> scoring, <laughs> scoring within the post and, and playing fast. Malik Monk does that with Sabonis currently. So you're, yeah. you create a situation where Scotty is now your central hub um, free throw line extended and you can create movement because Malik Monk can hit shots in various different ways. And when you give him the ball in secondary actions, he can extend the advantage and score on the lane and actually finish with contact. He's someone that I've wanted on the Raptors for, for years when Norman Powell was um, in talks of being traded. I, I yeah. prayed it was for Malik Monk. That obviously didn't work out. But um, he's t- the typical player that you would want around Scotty. Like the, the synergy you want with a guard with him is the same synergy you want with a Sabonis has with, with Fox and, and Monk. The same synergy that um, Jokic has with, with um, Jamal Murray where – He's flying around, creating different angles, different cuts, and and scoring off of the like the gravity that that Scotty holds as a passer. So, I I like it, and I I think it's like very realistic. Also, fingers crossed. That would just lead to like much more fun hoops. He can spot yeah. up from really far out as well. He's uh in some of the games that I've watched this year, he's hit like near logo spot up threes from above the break, which is just mental. He's taken 9.43s per game and the playmaking has like really come on this year to the point where you're really confident in him hitting skip passes and he's developed that chemistry with your handoff guy or your roller. Just could be like a lights out addition. Trey, lead us off. Who is your like last sub all-star before we get to the thick of it with our our all-star guys? I think from my list is probably the guy that would be the toughest to acquire just because he's so good. But um, Trey Trey Murphy. I knew it. I knew it. As soon as you said that, I was like, "Hundred yeah. percent." Here he comes. Yes. But yeah. If the Pelicans are in a place where they decide that we need to break this gas ceiling and actually contend, Trey Murphy is the first person that twenty-five teams would call for. He mm-hmm. he fits the the mold of similar um, similar guys that the Raptors have loved, like OG, who can shoot, have length, who run the floor, can put the ball down on the floor and also score as well. He um, shoots at a, at one of the highest planes for a guy his size. So it would keep the same synergy and ethos of the team that the Raptors would want to have, these long, rangy guys that, that, muck, up deep, that muck up offenses, create more transition possessions as well. And if you have a situation where – you have OG and you have Trey Murphy on the same wing with Scotty as they're running the floor. It's it it would be very a very hard challenge. You create a team that would run a lot, be very aggressive, and could shoot the lights out as well. And that probably jumps Scotty's game from a 20-point score right now to maybe 24, 23, and a very efficient offense. Although it would be be hard. I, I do think he would be the, the first guy I would be calling for. So I think the only situation where I, I could maybe see that working, because it's weird, they don't choose to start him at the moment. I yeah. um, I was looking for like my role players for this, and I sorted by plays between 15 and 25 minutes, and then I just sorted by net rating, and I went down below. Uh, Trey Murphy is the top guy on that list. He has the highest net rating of anyone playing. I think it was actually under 27 minutes per game. So he comes in and he spikes their efficiency, uh, Shamit Dua, who I think is a friend of Raptors Republic as well, writes incessantly about how this man must start, like by hook or by crook. He has to be playing for them at some stage. Uh, I, I wonder if like you parlay picks that you get for OG or you parlay picks that you get for Pascal. Maybe the Pelicans have some interest in Pascal as like a versatile five that they can play and then they just go almost like Raptors adjacent, full-on sort of Project 6869, Mega Switchy. Maybe that works, but he's he'd be untouchable for me in that Pelicans organization. If you're planning on keeping Zion around, they're just like such a perfect pairing. Yeah, yeah he's someone, he's like in the same way that, I, same vein I view OG as someone that is 
the person that changed the tides of the the franchise. I'm I I think that they should be putting more emphasis on him, and he it should be like one of the core pieces that you decide together. I think Brandon Ingram's probably more expendable in my opinion. But nice. okay, spicy. But if the Raptors can get into that that point before I think he hits, because I, I would if I were to predict, I think he he at the bare minimum is like one of the last cuts for an All Star team one day. Mm-hmm. He he would um, dramatically change Scotty's career, and I think the projection of like the the plane that he can hit. Yeah, he's a hundred percent. He's like a full first round picks guy, like that Mikhail Bridges, OG Ananobi adjacent. It's those guys where they're not necessarily putting the numbers up or they don't necessarily have the usage, but they're just so useful on either one end of the floor or both ends that, uh, you know, teams are just going to be queuing up. Like you said, 25 teams are going to be calling. um, And uh, who is it? Is it David Griffin? Yeah, David Griffin would just be able to have the bidding war of all bidding wars. I feel like I'm going to let us down a little bit because it's a name that you've already mentioned as my last sub all-star. And he's... uh, I, I tried just not to list like absolutely knock it out of the park guys. Hence my Josh Green pick. Um, I'm going to say Keldon Johnson would be quite a nice fit on this roster. Uh, I'm trying to gauge the facial expression, guys. You're probably not watching this. You're just listening to it. It's Trey's the jury's out. It's the first time on the pod. He's like, "Am I wasting my time here?" This guy's suggesting Keldon Johnson for the Raptors. So. Four-year descending contracts expiring in 26-27, last two years at $17.5 million, which is bloody cheap in this like NBA game. And it's going to be really cheap in 26-27. He's still only 24 years old. And so far, he's put up 17, 6, uh, and 4 this year. The assists have jumped like crazy from two seasons ago. His playmaking usage or assist usage, uh, assist percentage, God, cut that bit out, used to be uh, 9% two seasons ago. It's up at 18.5%. He shoots fairly reliably from three on about 35%. And I just think that over the next sort of the short term, he's a guy that could be really attainable for the Raptors. In that I think they've got a lot of redundancy having both him and Devin Vassell. I think you probably need a bigger guy at your three if you're going to have Devin at your two. And I just like him as a guy that has played in an up-tempo season, uh, system rather. The, the Spurs play with a lot of pace. They try and play a lot of handoff stuff. And Keldon is just a guy that can sort of do everything to like a six or seven out of 10 standard yeah. on the offensive end. He can shoot. He can drive. He started to pick out skip passes. He started to work out of handoffs. And the usage has dropped as well, because last year, I think he was up at around 30%. This year, he's back down at around 21% usage, and he's still being impactful. The issue is on the defensive end. But I think that if you sandwiched him in between OG as your nominal two and Scotty as your four, you could potentially cover up for Keldon. I, I, I like the pick just, just because it's very realistic. Although I'd be terrified to trade with the Spurs again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, not again. It, would, it would be okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Keldon is a, is a pass, is a pass shoot drive guy that would help, will help Scotty. Obviously. I think um, only concern with, with that would be, I I have a little concern with the, the shot creation and the efficiency out of, out of it. Okay. If Scotty is the star that um, I hope he is, then that might not matter a lot because he'll be getting a lot of secondary stuff. Scotty's going to be pulling, um, pulling rotations as well. And he, when Keldon gets the ball, he's like a cannon, cannon coming out, yes. and he, yeah, he yeah, can yeah. grab the ball, go, put the ball down, and finish even with a dunk. So, I I think for Scotty's highest plane, he makes he makes the most sense. I don't think it probably changes the ties for like the Raptors winning more games right now. But um, it's a very good contract. And with Scotty and OG potentially um, both getting paid very soon, it makes a lot of sense with the synergy of the team and a guy that fits what they would want to do. Nice. Nice. Good. I'm, I'm not uh, not having my guests leave halfway through because I've come <laughs> out there with like a completely wild shout. I I had a lot of like honorable mentions for this stage, Trey. I think you mentioned that you did too. Uh, yeah. I could go on, but I had Wendell as a potential guy that could be coming onto the market. I think that Gordon Hayward would like bring out the best in Scotty quite nicely and quite a rogue pick MPJ, just oh. like pure out and out spacing, a guy that can hit the boards, uh, really expensive contract, the complete inverse of Keldon, but he's someone that I considered before I went for KJ. 
Yeah. Some honorables I had, I had um, D'Angelo Russell. I thought that would make a, a lot of sense. A guy wow. who's pretty who's pretty cheap, has a cheap contract right now, operates well in the pick and roll, can hit shots as well, and would have really good synergy with um, with Scotty. The other one I had in um, honorable mention, I, I debated between um, uh, uh, Emmanuel Quickly and, and him a lot, was um, um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, just because it's a – a guy that that makes a lot of sense gives you tons tons of shooting and can um, really open the floor for Scotty to get downhill a lot. So I I thought it, it made sense, but I did prefer Quickly's ability to create like his own shot a bit more. Just remind me, Bogdan Hawks, Bojan Pistons. Yes. Good, good. Just for our listeners out there, I totally have no, that covered. Fair. Yeah, just like an out there elite spacer. I, yeah. I like that as well. But like you said, maybe not. Doesn't bring the same intensity on defense either, does he? Yeah, 100%. So, All-Stars. This is this is the big one. This is like our franchise changing moves. Trey, how did you narrow in on this? Because I think the benefit of Scotty is I look and I just see a guy that can potentially fit next to a lot of other all-star players. Yeah. So how did you actually come down to narrowing it down to two players? I, I went for guys that have been rumored to maybe potentially leave also. And if you're trading for an, for an all-star, the, the point is to buy and keep your, keep your guy. So someone that's probably lower in, in value so that you can pair that all-star with OG, Pascal, and Scotty. So the the guy I picked first um, was Zach Levine. He's a, okay. a guy that that makes tons of sense with what they want to do. They need his shooting. They need, they could use his shot creation, and him and Scotty would excel really well in transition. And I think being that he's had injury concerns, his his contract is scary to a lot of teams. You can get away with offering picks and and cap filler to necessitate the trade, whereas with most all stars, you're trading. OG or, or Pascal, and if you're trading a, a an All Star for one of those two, it kind of defeats the purpose of trying to trying to uh, accelerate your timeline significantly. You're just putting yourself in a situation where you're cap trapped and don't have assets. So I think with Zach Levine, with those with those guys, it makes things more more tenable, and you can see a situation where they went around, and if Scotty hits a higher plane, then they potentially could contend. Yeah, I I like that. I think he'd be the most Vince Carter player you've had since Vince Carter, which yeah. would be fun. And um, just a lot of utility as both an on-ball and off-ball guy. I think that's the thing a lot of people underrate about Zach Levine is that he's actually, when he's locked in, and I kind of get with the situation he's going through now, I think he's phoned it in for his last few games pre-injury. But when he's locked in, he can be a deadly guy off of screens or in handoff situations. It's part of the reason why when Lonzo was healthy, they got off to that flying start because he is willing to be that guy that gets out on the break. So I love it. I think um, in an article I wrote, I I pitched Zach Levine to pretty much every team in the league uh, just because I thought he was that portable. And I had Toronto around three or four just because I thought it, it makes sense around your guys. And I think he might be one of the few players that forget about salaries for a second could make a OG Scotty Pascal wing room work in terms yeah. of the shooting right 100 yeah yeah so we've we've gone a little bit inverse of each other i think you've gone a little bit more lofty in your um role players and in your sub all stars whereas i was like oh i'm gonna try and keep this a little realistic and i just got too excited when it came to my all stars <laughs> so i've i've gone like will will never happen but it's an idea that i've had forever if i could pair Scotty Barnes with LaMelo Ball and just watch the next 10, 10 yeah. years of Raptors basketball. I think like aside from Steph Curry, that might be my favorite pairing in the league. Cause I think that they just would complement each other so well in that they both get out in transition. LaMelo shoots the three on volume, sort of like unlike anyone else, maybe bar Tyrese Halliburton and Steph Curry in the league. And he's comfortable doing that both off the dribble and um, in catch and shoot situations as well. I think that these are two players that I sort of, I I don't necessarily view Scotty or LaMelo as your traditional number one 
scoring option. I don't know if they're always going to be drawing two to the ball and they're always going to be so deadly, either like going to the rim or shooting from three or in isolation that you're going to get sort of mainstream shot creation. But I think they're sort of force multipliers and that you put decent role players next to Scotty, next to Lamelo. They make the lives of those players so much easier. I, I just think that you combine those two together and we've just got beautiful hoops for the next 10 years. You you are speaking um you're you're speaking the gospel. Outside of the, the Raptors, the Mellow Ball is my favorite player in, in the NBA. I, I think it would probably be the the most fun I would have watching Raptors team outside obviously our championship team. But you you create a situation where you can run as much as the the Pacers do currently because you have guys that can can grab and go from several different positions, and you have the the feel between Scotty and Lamelo where I think they both can operate both as a screener and the ball handler, which creates mm-hmm. so many weird weird mismatches and switches if you're running constantly, where it accelerates both of those guys. And although I, I do think neither are the half-court creator that you probably want in a playoff series, I do mm-hmm. think the the multiplier of them together makes a really a cool situation where it probably works. He creates the same synergy you would want with a, with a Monk-type pick. He's gotten better driving into the paint. Before he got injured, he was towards the top of the league in, in drives, and the finishing has improved with Lamelo. Yeah. So I think you create that and use Scotty as a screener even more and accelerate what they want and you you create a, a contending team although that would be near impossible to get that done it would be a dream for me you've got to see how stupid this hornets front office is that's fair you've got to see it you know uh, i think if you said a couple of seasons ago tyrese halliburton is in is on the market like from the king's perspective there would have been a bidding war that emerged and i think that Lamelo is at a higher plane than tyrese was when he was traded for sabonis but all it takes is, you know, a lot of interest in uh, Pascal Siakam or something along those lines. Like, can can we send Pascal? Can we send three picks? And just, I think that they would sort of just be an offensive system onto themselves that you could afford to go forward from that point, uh, sort of pick strapped and just sort of have that contending ceiling just because those two together at that age as well, uh it's it's a 2k move i I think i've made it on many of my career but uh you know hopefully one day it happens i can see him getting unhappy in charlotte that's the thing yeah it's it's been i out of many of the young stars you haven't seen a team like done this poorly building around a guy that's already shown that he's like a star like this season he was showing that he was near all nba good and the the team that they have around him is one of the youngest teams in the league the, the veterans that they have aren't necessarily pushing the play. Like Gordon Hayward's a nice player, but he doesn't play all the time. And Terry Rozier historically is like one of the more inefficient guards in the league, although he's having, he's having a good season this year. But um, right now. Yeah. he is hooping. But like I've seen that. It comes and goes with him. And mm. you'll create a situation where you have some building block pieces, like a Mark Williams. You have um, other right guys that are playing, playing well. But – um. Brandon Miller has done great as well. You don't have maybe like there's with all the pick capital they have that second guy you know for sure that is going to build at Lamella. Hopefully Brandon Miller is that guy. But yeah, you think in the time span that they've usually before their working contract ends, you probably want a team that's going to start contending because your star becomes expensive and they haven't accomplished that. Yeah, I had James Plowright on about a month ago, who is like one of the best Hornets coverers that I know. And uh, I tried to be really upbeat and really positive about the situation, (laughs) but he just, he watches it every week and I could not get him sold on a lot of stuff. He, uh, I I think he thinks it looks quite bleak at the moment. But the other thing about Lamelo is he's so marketable. He just, he screams Miami to me. He screams Lakers, you know, like LeBron retires and then suddenly there he is like operating in the pick and roll with Anthony Davis. But we can absolutely dream. Trey, is your next pick as aspirational as mine or have you kept it sort of on that Zach Levine level? See, he's better than Zach Levine, but um, I kept it around like guys who I think maybe, maybe would get traded. Uh, Next guy was Donovan Mitchell. Um, Another guy who's one of, he's one of my favorite players to watch in the league. Um, I think he offers 
both the ability to score off of the ball and work within an offense that Darko is trying to create. He did that in Utah. And he's going to be able to drive and put the ball on the floor. That opens up Scotty's game significantly. Um, in the ideal scenario where you see Scotty becoming like your best player in the league, you would want yeah. the exact score that you would want is Donovan Mitchell, a guy that is able to work off of screens as the ball handler, work with Scotty with DHOs, or even off the ball with OG coming off screens, opening up OG from there. And, and scoring in multiple different ways. I think he's um, one of the more unique players in the league where a guy that's small typically doesn't have the athleticism to get downhill as much as he does and have the requisite shooting. So I think if the the Cavs realize that he isn't going to re-sign and, you, and they're looking to just get back some value, it's a good opportunity for the Raptors to, to swoop in and allow the Cavs to still stay create um, competitive, and the Raptors to gain another star. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's interesting that both of your picks, like Zach Levine and Donovan Mitchell, are both guys that have the potential to go sort of atomic for a night, or potentially, we haven't seen it with Zach, but a playoff series as well. I think a lot of our picks so far have been maybe more complementary guys to Scotty, but a lot of his high-end value is being able to like facilitate playing with other really high-end players as well and when you look at a guy like donovan mitchell that's potentially had some abuse for not necessarily sharing the ball or being a little bit shot happy i think that barnes is the kind of guy that could really bring out the best in donovan and he was really close to making my list as well uh not a kentucky guard but a louisville guard i think he's from kentucky so uh maybe he's from cleveland i'm I'm getting my wires crossed i know louisville is there somewhere i think he's from Um, new york he's that's it so he's from new york he went to louisville now he's in cleveland for some reason he had some association with cleveland as well you know how whenever a player gets traded to a team they manage to say it was always my dream to play for this team he was um he was in the room when lebron made the decision uh yes you're all right yep that was it. Good. That was it. That's um, so he's in the room when Cleveland got betrayed on national television. Let's hope, like, for Cleveland fans' sake, he doesn't follow suit. Yeah. Like, their season's kind of lost with the injuries. And the other thing is, like, if they do trade Donovan, then I really think that the two bigs don't work. So it's almost like then you have to also trade Jarrett Allen. Yeah, and you're really like trying to invent on the fly without any of your own picks. So I almost think that from their perspective, it's it's worth hanging on to Mitchell because he's still going to recoup you like 80, 85 percent of the trade value, even if he's like an expiring contract yeah. in a year or two's time, because it's a player option, I think. Yeah. Right. So just if if you're in that Cleveland front office, ride it out. I don't think that the fans want to watch like non Donovan Mitchell, non Darius Garland, Evan Mobley basketball. Maybe try and find a Jarrett Allen trade, but that is a topic for another podcast. Interestingly, I think that what we've spoken about here today is a lot of players that um, maybe make up for some of Scotty's like weaknesses right now. The last All Star player that I want to talk about is a player that I think Scotty will make up for his weaknesses. And particularly on the defensive end, as that low man, I kind of think that a guy that could come onto the market in the next season or two, particularly because of the financial issues this team is going to face, I like the idea of Carl Anthony Towns being your full-time five. That, that was that was what I, one of my honourable mentions. I forgot Good. to mention that, yeah. Good. So, you were close. Yeah, he's just... Um, I, I had this idea before the season as well, when it potentially looked like he was going to get traded. I just think that of all the players on the Raptors roster that sort of obscures this from being Scotty's team, unfortunately, it's Jakob Pertl. So I think the change that needs to make more fundamentally than most is you've got to get Jakob out of there for a guy that either really opens up the floor or I don't know, I want someone that opens up the floor, basically. Talk to me, Trey, about why you nearly had Carl Anthony Towns. I, I think it's the – if you think Scotty's the scorer that you think he is, I think Cat makes tons of sense. It opens up tons of floor away. Um, mm-hmm. I do also see, like, a potential if Minnesota falls short in, in the playoffs this year where they decide Rudy and, and Cat don't work because of defensive reasons. And plugging in Pascal makes tons of sense. 
it makes them super switchable, super exciting, gives them another guy that can put the ball on the floor aside from yeah. Ant. So I think the trade is realistic. Also, um, when Cat was the lone center, he had some success as just a, a deep drop defender. I think the Raptors can get back to that and still be pretty good with OG and 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 Scotty as your defensive playmakers with hopefully yeah. better point of attack defenders up top. But um he creates um he can lead his own bench lineup because he's a great facilitator as as well. So mm-hmm. you put yourself in a situation where Cat is still like fairly young he's similar age as pascal and you have a team that is still very competitive which the raptors have been hoping for and fit better so it's a it's a it's a home run situation as long as you as long as you believe that scotty is going to be able to hit the highest planes as a score because i don't necessarily think cat is that player yeah yeah i i see that as well and i think that from a defensive coverage perspective, when they were having success in that first year, pre-Rudy, they actually went the complete opposite of deep drop and they had Cat almost playing blitz or hedge and then they had guys like Jared Vanderbilt cleaning up behind. Um, So I think that there's the potential, particularly if you keep OG on the roster, if you keep Scotty, you've just got so much length around the rim that there are numerous ways that you can hide Cat, not just in a drop as well. Um, I just think... It's almost, I, I can't believe I'm going to make the Carl Anthony Towns, Kelly Olynyk comparison, but we spoke about Kelly earlier and on in the podcast and just fundamentally make Scotty's life easier. Having that incredible pop threat, uh, pop threat, having a guy that can operate at the elbows, potentially as a handoff hub as well. I think that, you know, Carl Anthony Towns' ceiling, forget about the defensive end for a second. I, I see no reason why he couldn't function more like a Bam Adebayo, more like a Demantis Sabonis as well, yep. potentially as that handoff guy, because he even he he tries some absolutely insane passes. I, I think it's been a little bit quieter this year, where he's almost functioned more like a like an off ball wing, and like when he's got his opportunities, it's been through closeouts or um, yeah, you know, it's been catch and shoot opportunities, but. When he was really feeling himself, he would try these like no look one handed swing passes to the other corner that are coming at you like a 90 mile an hour fastball. So I think there's some real potential for those two to have proper synergy together. Um, yeah, Trey, of, of all the players we've mentioned today, I think LaMelo Ball is the one that you would ideally like on the roster the most. Right. Who, in terms of balancing everything, do you think like might get there and who would you like to see the most? Um, I think in terms of like to see the most, I would, I would say, I, I want to say Trey Murphy, but I don't think it's realistic. So I'm just going <laughs> to leave that alone. Um, I would say Colin Sexton. I think Emmanuel Cleckley is like probably the most likely because the Raptors should have cap room in, in the, the off season. But I mm-hmm. think Colin Sexton, you can get for fairly cheap. And he's already shown um, pre-injury that he can set the table and and be a, a big-time scorer for a team. So I, I think you create a situation where you use minimal assets and you acquire somebody that increases the level of your, your actual team and that you have long-term, which is something that I have to struggle to, to do. So I would say him overall just because I'm, I, I would love to see any decent guard play on this team. To be honest, like the it's it's been a real struggle with um with some of the guys we have on the team currently. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair pick. I like that we're we're rounding this off by going back to our first pick of the podcast as well. It just sort of it feels right. But I think that we've discussed some exciting names. They're not all going to end up on the yeah. Raptors, but you know, Carl Anthony Towns in a couple of seasons could be really fun. I yeah. think that Zach Levine is fairly realistic as well in terms of. It looks like the trade market is drying up. And if Masai yeah. doesn't want to, you know, go that rebuilding direction, like you said, Zach is a guy that can help you win a first round series. And you know, the East is a bloodbath right at the top this year, but you never yeah. know. Uh, what are you looking out for for the rest of the season, man, in terms of internal development? How can this team get better at playing around Scotty without making any moves? Yeah. One, like ideally Grady plays better. He, like the the ethos of the team was to focus more on the skill sets that work around Scotty, have more motion, more passing, more requisite shooting, and he's a big part of that. 
if he shoots better, allows him to play a lot more lineups. You have like guys that work with Scotty, like Otto Porter, but he's is typically injured or just can't play heavy minutes. So yeah, ideally, yeah. I would like to see Grady play a lot more, um, handle some of the, the the defensive pressures that that he struggled with this year, um, and allow the team to like sort of see like what they have in terms of future future pieces. Because I ideally, if Grady hits, you have a six eight point guard, you have your six seven six eight small forward in OG, and then you have a a six nine power forward that can all shoot, pass, put the ball on the floor, and have really great feel. It creates um it creates a situation where you you start thinking of who is this last like mega score or or table setter that you can have around these guys that can mm-hmm. allow them to accelerate as like these these like deposit like um these deposit um score slash I'm, not even, I'm getting too excited. The basically, <laughs> no, I get basically it. guys that work around each other, where the offense, which right now is probably really methodic, turns into a read and react sort of situation where guys are flying off, creating screens for each other, like you see with Sacramento, like you see with Golden State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's definitely the end goal. And I don't think that Raptors fans have been down on Darko whatsoever. I think he's saying a lot of the right things. And you look at the situation in in Detroit and you look at the situation even in Milwaukee to an extent and you see a lot of sort of ire directed at the coaches. I think trust the process, trust Darko and trust Masai to turn this around because he's he's done it before. He's built these rosters before. He's, he's just holding his hand. Uh, he's holding his hand really close to his chest for the moment. Yeah, uh, Dark Art would say the fan base 50 50 right now. Things are it's getting there. Yeah, it's starting to turn. Like, I think people are realizing the team, like, just isn't good. The The usage of Dennis has led to a lot of questions. Obviously, that's led to Pascal's touches going down significantly. So, yeah. I, I think the from a fan base perspective, the big thing that people want to see is Dennis moving to the bench to lead those bench lineups, potentially helping Scotty in that sense. And then yep. Gary jumping into the lineup to offer more shooting. But he needs to shoot well also. So it's still a question of that. Another guy on an expiring contract as well, which, yep. you know, it's it's just a it's the Raptors theme. I think that you're all right after this season because there's just no one else on the roster that isn't on an expiring deal. So, you know, it's like one or two more seasons of pain for Raptors fans before it all gets sorted. Maybe Darko can offer out like a citywide pizza party if the Raptors win. What is it? Three games in a row? Four games in a row? He's got three, game, three games in a row. We it's it's been a it's been a challenge there's a small stretch where i think they're going to do at the end of the month if i'm not mistaken right. we play where is it i believe we play yes we play the jazz after today the jazz wizards and all oh, the celtics that's a loss <laughs> oh oh so you gotta get it together right now <laughs> yeah if they win tonight the pizza party will happen because then you play the jazz and play the wizards they, just okay. need to, they play the sixers tonight so they just need to stretch that one up nice nice let's see guys i've had a wonderful time recording this podcast with trey trey i hope you've had fun coming on man all good feel like we've fixed the raptors like we'll send this to Masai. you've given me more hope it was fun thinking of like what scotty's skill set is and like who are the type of guys you want around him because it's the raptors for a long time have like felt like in a weird space and they're kind of still there but mm-hmm. you at least have the hope of knowing that you have a guy that could potentially be a top 15 player and that other players would want to play around play with so i i'm happy i'm i'm at least have hope and holding out for for changes in the future i'm glad i'm glad guys if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast please go and check out raptors republic as you can tell i'm a big fan of them i've had two of their main like content guys come on so far both trey and lewis put out absolutely excellent work there's one podcast i listen to during the summer where you samson and caitlin cooper got together and spoke about the Raptors spacing it is unlike anything that you find uh, like in other places on the internet in terms of Raptors coverage and NBA coverage I think that the dunker spot does a really good job of doing that kind of thing as well but the depth that you guys went to was just phenomenal they put out some of the very best NBA coverage out there so Trey where can the people find you where can they find your work what should they be checking out if they've got this far yeah so you guys can find me at, at pull up Trey on, on Twitter 
um, at Raptors Republic as well. I host a podcast with um, my dear friend, Samson Folk, who's also uh, the beat writer for Raptors Republic. Um, we basically break down anything Raptors related, whether it's scheme, whether it's little insights within the game. We also host pre-game shows, post-game shows for, for almost every game. So there's tons of writers there who are independent media. So um, we try to pay our writers as much as possible. So um, if you are interested in, in Scotty Barnes, um, Raptors Republic is the, the best place to get insight. Yeah, I'm going to link Trey's Twitter. I'm going to link Raps's Republic, and I'm going to link the like most recent article that's come out as well, just for you guys to peruse. I know that you put some out there for free as well, yeah. So you know, we'll we'll see. Hopefully, it gets you guys hooked. But if you've listened this far, have a lovely Christmas, everyone. We've got more content coming to you. I've got two podcasts lined up in that, like Christmas, New Year, Dead Zone, with some really exciting guests as well. But Trey, I've had a blast. I hope you have too. Thank you for coming on. And guys, thank you for listening to another episode of The Drop Step.